Funkateers, Bootsy here to bring the Truth and Rhythm family's attention to Funk Not Fight. Yeah, this is a call to action. We spread hope, not hate, uh, to gain satisfaction throughout our communities via the music uplifting unity. Uh, Peppermint Patty, tell us a little more. Thinker is our partner. Thinker music, that is. So please check the link that's scrolling across the bottom, click it, and submit your music. Let's all funk, funk not fight. Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. What 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 was the crowd pleasers uh, you know, presence and presentation like on stage at that time? We were more like a um, type of group that we would uh, have on outfits. Um, we didn't have props, we just had the stage appearance. And we wore outfits. So when we were, everybody had their own different type of outfit. But it, we all wear the same colors, but it'd be different outfits that would fit their personality. But uh, we had um, more of a, 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 a type of sound that we had. We, we, we played stuff with more to the groove that got people involved to make them dance. So we was more like a, uh, just an R&B, you know, band um every places that we played we always draw uh we was definitely a, a type of band that draws an audience and we used to tour a lot in the michigan area we played all through michigan and uh every time we played somewhere in michigan i mean we always have a, a packed house i mean the place we flooded I mean, we would draw, so people pay to get in and, you know, played a lot. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, the heat wave on that one, Bill. I saw them around that time. They had a really energetic show. I remember the one I went to, they formed a human pyramid at one point of that concert. Uh, yeah, I only seen them that one time back then, and, uh, and, and that, that, that was the end of it. I never seen them again, but... Uh, like I said, we was all on the on that that, that same bill. So uh, you know, they gave us a chance to uh, 
you know, to prove ourselves, you know, I mean, pretty much that was like promoting your own song. You know, if your song is hidden, then you got to be just as good as your song. I mean, you got to really hit it. And then from that point, then somebody else will pick you up, another promoter pick you up. And then it, it goes from there. But we never did uh, uh, do anything after that. It's just that New Orleans, and that was it. And after that, and that was the end of it. I think over time, though, I mean, that record's become, you know, coveted by funk collectors, you know, as sort of a hidden diamond in the rough, you know what I mean? So, you yeah. know, looking back, you know, you must take some uh, pride in, in knowing that. Yeah. I wish we could have really tore off of it and made money. That's 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 where we needed that help at to make that money off that song. Because we didn't do good on our performance. So that was that was on us. We we, we failed when it came to that. Hard lesson to learn, good. right? Yeah. That's it. We didn't do good. So we never made any money off of it. And then that would have helped out on the boost up the record sale. And then, uh, no telling where we probably would end up at after that, you know, you know, you mentioned, Glenn, you mentioned Glenn Goins before and, uh, uh, there, one of the tracks blessed with rhythm is credited to, uh, Glenn Goins and Lynn Mabry. Oh, blessed with the rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they brought Glenn in to help us out on some songs. And uh, Glenn came up with that. And uh, Glenn started to sing the song itself. And then um, he said, no, nah, I'm not going to sing the song. I want somebody else to sing it. So he looked at the guy that played the drums. And he told him, he said, won't you do it, uh, Earl Davis? And uh, Earl didn't think he could do it. He didn't want to do it. He thought it was, you know, a little bit too much, um, but he ended up doing it anyway, and he did it his way. And I was, uh, I knew he could do it because he, he he was an excellent singer. And uh, he's not here with us anymore, but uh, he was an excellent drummer. For him to sing that song, and I sit there watching and to sing it the way he played drums, how he tied both of them in together. I mean, he played the drums so well, and he sang the song as if. You would think somebody could be out front singing it, but he behind the drums actually singing that and, and, and playing it at the same time with this with this intense power. I mean, this guy was excellent on the drums and could sing that song the way Glenn showed him how he wanted him to sing it. And so at what it was, Glenn was trying to get, it got him into having that same vibe, how he was singing, and uh, he actually pulled it off and did excellent. And then not only that, he still played them authentic drum parts with them vocals like that. Now that was that was amazing. <laughs> he, he he did excellent. He, that was that was great. So, you know, Glenn picked the right one. And I we uh went talking on something else, but you know, did you meet Glenn through these sessions or you met Glenn before that? I met him through the session. Um, I used to listen to a lot of their records. I always, I said, God, this guy is, is so good. I said, I wonder if I ever meet this guy in person. And um, 
I kept thinking, if I ever could meet this guy, I'd like to hook up with him. And I couldn't believe it. Didn't know he was was uh, was in Westbound. He was there. Brought him in. When they said, when they named him, I just couldn't believe him. And I looked at him. The first time I seen him, it was just like, the way to describe it, I said that we were like meant to know each other. We was actually, we was dressed identical the same. <laughs> the day that I met him, because I, I kept looking at him. We almost had on the same thing. So uh, it was just like, we was almost like thinking the same, but we had on almost the same outfit. I mean, it wasn't a just pair of jeans and a, and a leather jacket. And, uh, but it was similarity. And I kept looking at me and he kept looking at me. And, uh, he looked at me and then, um, he said, um, I'm gonna see what you can do. So he started playing. I fell right in with him and knew exactly, you know, what to do. And he kept listening. Then he pulled me to the side. He said, man, uh, he said, I'm gonna use you on some tracks. And that's how we came together, connected. That guy was authentic. It's one of my uh, favorite, one of my favorite singers ever. He just blew me away, man. But I just couldn't believe it. Then he, 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 uh, he actually he was like more like a brother. Me, if he would help me out, he used to show me things on the bass. He was a good bass player. I think a lot of people knew he played bass. But that guy was an excellent bass player. Did you know that? No. I mean, on stage, usually, he would only have a guitar. <laughs> I mean, this guy was a bass player. I mean, he can actually play bass. But because uh, he used to show me some what he want me to do and uh, how he want me to attack that type of sounds on the bass and how he would play and he would actually would show it to me. So I got to think, I said, well, Dad, I was with Junie. Junie showing me his field, and then Glenn was showing me his field. So, you know, it was like I got the best of both worlds right there. I mean, it was like almost like it was sort of like back to back. So then Glenn brought me up to New Jersey, and then I started recording with him, and then we'd, we'd stay up late at night and uh, at his house. He would show me different techniques on the bass, how he want me to play, how he will play. So it's just like he pretty much took me in. And like I was, uh, I don't know how to describe it, if I was like his son, but we wasn't really come to find out. Uh, he was only a couple of years older than me, but he just seemed much older than what he was. Later on out of years, I found out we was just only two years apart. But he was so far ahead of himself, I, I was just amazed. I thought he was just much older than that than what he was. But that guy was great. I mean, phenomenal. I mean, this guy was so good, was pathetic. Could do anything. <laughs> good. Did you have any uh, clue that he was uh, ill? He told me, and I didn't believe it. Because he didn't, I didn't see any signs of it. And, um, I just didn't believe him. I just, you know, because I knew he liked to joke, joke with me a lot. I just didn't. I just didn't believe it. I said, man, ain't nothing wrong with you, man. He said, yeah, I am. I'm, 
you know, he broke down. He just went on tell me. He used to talk to me, tell me a lot of things, and, and I would learn from him and listen to him. But when he told me when he was ill, I just didn't believe it, the way uh, he carried himself. I mean, he was, he was in shape, excellent shape, because he used to tell me how he, uh, I used to work out a lot. And uh, I remember I was over his house one morning, and uh, uh, he uh, he going to look at you, and then he would uh, see where your head was at. So I remember one time uh, I was over his house, and at the back door he had these two uh, two sets of boxing gloves. And then he looked up and I said, uh, looked at them gloves, and he pulled one set and threw it at me. He said, "Come on outside." <laughs> I said, "I said, no, I ain't ready for that." So he looked at me. So I threw the gloves back at him. So I already knew he was already he was already you know. Geared up for that, but he just wants to see where I was at. I said, nah, I ain't gonna fool with him. So he said, Come on outside anyway. So he got to practice that, you know, he knew a little, he knew some martial arts. And um, and he was showing me, and he was showing me techniques and want me to learn from it. And said he'd get up every morning and, and be jogging maybe like five or six o'clock in the morning. He would show me, he would tell me, This is what he do. this is how he stayed in shape. But I never knew that he was into that. But he was trying to get me to get into it. What he wanted, he wanted me to get into it. He was teaching me. So he would show me some moves when I was out there in the back of his house. He would show me, and I was about 20 years old. I, I think he was about 22. And then he'd show me a lot of moves, what he wanted me to learn from him. And I said, wow, this guy knows this. And plus, he's good with the music, too. But he was, uh, he was uh, uh, quite some teacher. He was a good teacher. He said, I want to, you know, teach you everything. I'm going to pass it on to you before I leave here, is what he used to tell me that. I said, man, you ain't going nowhere. Ain't nothing wrong with you. <laughs> and we used to talk all the time about that. And then uh, I couldn't believe it. Well, that that I, happened. None, none of us but could he, believe it when the word came down. I mean, because most of us as fans, we didn't know that he had anything going on like that. Yeah, no, I didn't need. I couldn't believe it. I just and then uh, much as he used to tell me, so I understand why. You know, you know, try to learn, get get as much as you can get. Just go carry you further. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to do what I can do today, and what I learned from Junie. With both of them, I wouldn't be able to do what I can do. Well, you learn guys, from, you definitely, you definitely, you definitely learn from two of the most highly respected, you know, of the uh, funk and soul the genre. Yeah, 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 yeah. Learn from both of them, and uh, that's how I got myself together. And then later on, and uh, like I said, I talked to Junie maybe like around 2015. But uh, yeah, I learned from the from the both of them. Both of them took me under. I learned from both of them. Did, let me ask you: Did did Glenn? <clears throat> excuse me. Did you uh, meet any uh, one from the P Funk camp through Glenn? Uh, another person I met. I met Bernie, and I met Fuzzy. I met Fuzzy. Fuzzy was on Westbound, and Fuzzy needs somebody to uh, to do hand claps on a song. So. Uh, 
I got chose for that. I think the rest of the band and all it was instead of clapping your hands, he said, just, just use your feet. <laughs> I thought that was different. So we would stomp and as the feet were like hand claps. It was it was on on a couple of tracks that we did. So we, you know, got paid for that and that was it. And that was the first time that uh, I had met Fuzzy. And then how did you meet how did you meet Bernie? How did I meet Bernie? Yeah. Um Glenn was coming around the group a lot when they were weren't playing. I think we was in MC some part of uh Michigan. I, I think it was Mike might have been Kalamazoo or, or Ann Arbor, Michigan. It was, it was either one or two, somewhere around there. And he had Bernie with him, and that's how I met Bernie. And so uh, they were sitting out there listening. And uh, I did have a picture of Glenn back then. Uh, I believe it was like around, around the beginning of 78. Glenn was kind of dressed up. He had on his vest, sweater vest, and he had on these dress pants. Yeah, that that was kind of different. I'd never seen him dressed up like that with these hard shoes on. I mean, he looked real neat. Bernie had on a neat outfit, had on a suit. But they they came out, and uh, that's the, and he introduced me to Bernie, and that was the first time I met Bernie. So that had to be maybe like around, might have been around seventy eight. I met and met Bernie, and somewhere around in there, or the end part of you know like around seventy seven, but then Glenn was coming around, and uh, when he wasn't playing, then he would come to us. And just be listening, listening to the group, just hanging out when he was in the area. But we all stayed in the Michigan area a lot. So I guess when he was in Detroit and uh, when he found out where we was at, he'd stay up and want to know, well, where you at? And I'd say, well, I'm right here. Then he'd come on through. Did, well, he, did, he was a nice guy. Did Glenn ever happen to mention anything related to the experience of, you know, the mothership tour? And, you know, I mean, he was so key to landing the mothership on those shows. No, he didn't say anything to me about it. I remember uh, when I was at his house in 19, it was in 78. And, uh, uh, Funkadelics was in uh, Madison Square Garden. I had never seen him at that time, and I, and I always wanted to see him. I wanted to see him. And um, so he had a friend. He said, uh, he said, well, go ahead and take him on down there and, and, and make sure he get back. But, I mean, where am I going to go? I mean, I had no transportation at that time. I mean, uh, went down there. Dude took me down there. His name was Jim. Took me down to New York, down to Madison Square Garden. So Jim said, uh, I'm going to be waiting for you outside. Uh, don't go nowhere. I said, where am I going to go? <laughs> I'm, I'm from Ohio, but where am I going? I ain't got no transportation. So I goes inside, and uh, Paula Mrs. playing. I seen two friends of mine that went to, went to high school with. They was with the barcade. I seen, seen George for the first time. He didn't see me, but then I'm standing right there at the backstage. I see this guy playing keyboards, 
And so some said, just stay right here. Don't even go nowhere. Just stay right there. I kept looking at this guy, man, that was playing keys, man. I kept listening to him. Just kept listening to him. I said, God, this dude is so good on the keyboard. Who in the heck is he? How come he ain't out front? He had on this robe with the hood on it. I kept looking at it and studied it. I said, I'll be dog. And it had JM on it. That's the same robe he had on his album called Freeze. I said, Junie. He jumped up, put his head up, looked at me. He said, man, what are you doing here? So I faked it and said, I'm here to see you. He said, don't go nowhere. And it was Junie that was playing the keys. I couldn't believe it. After that, I haven't seen him since the accident, but I've seen him playing with George. This was in 1978, but I was over at Glenn's house. And uh, Junie said, man, don't go nowhere. He said, man, I'm so glad to see you. So uh, I kept looking at him. I said, man, you're off his little, man. He had lost so much weight because he was a, a bigger guy when we were playing together. But when I seen him, he was so thin. And then uh, when he stood up, he said, man, please don't go nowhere. He said, stay right here. He said, come to my room. I said, okay, I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to stay here with you. So we sit there and talk and, and exchange numbers and everything. He said, how you doing, man? He said, I want to help you. He said, you need any money? I said, nah, I'm all right. He said, I said, man, I said, man, you, uh, I said, what's wrong with you? Man? I said, I said, I don't think you did well, man. He said, I had to come back out here, man. And he had this little limp. And when, when I saw that, I said, uh, that was from the accident. I said, oh, man, you ain't doing too well, man. He said, I had to come back. We talked for a long time, just talked about everything. And he asked me how the rest of the guys doing. And I told him, he said, well, what you doing up here? And I said, I'm over Glenn Goins house. And he looked at me. He said, Glenn. He said, where you know him from? I said, I met him. But he had already knew he had signed uh, Westbound. I said, I met him at Westbound. I said, I'm over his house. By that time, Jim was standing there when I was talking to Junior. He said, come on, let's go. So. Um, I looked at Junior. I said, well, man, I got to go, man, and uh, it's time to go, man. He said, well, well, you got my number. He said, stay in touch. I said, well, I'm riding with him. I ain't got no transportation. I'm with him. He brought me here. So we took me on back, left New York, went on back to, you know, like Plainfield, New Jersey, went on back to New Jersey. That was the end of That's, you know, last time I seen Junior. That was the last time I seen him from the accident. It was 1970. I seen him playing with George. And then he almost didn't recognize him. But his robe that he had on that same robe he had on that album, that's what gave it away because it had the initials on it. And he just came to my mind spontaneous. I said, Junie. And he jumped and raised his head up and looked and saw me standing there because I was right up on him and asked me, he said, what you doing here? So I made it to see you. And we just, and that was it. Between the crowd pleasers and that Quasar record, I mean, two really strong, funky records that were just one and done, though, for each of those groups. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And did you get to meet uh, Jerome Braley at all? I know he had some involvement in that Quasar record. Okay. When I was over at Glenn's house, we were standing outside. This one particular time, and uh, I believe we was on our we was on our way in the studio, and he was waiting on Jerome. He was waiting on Jerome Brady. So we was outside. It was hot that day, and then uh, I seen this guy pull up. I seen uh, I seen the car pull up. It was uh, 
about a 70-something uh, Corvette Stingray. I, I can just remember that just like it was yesterday. And it was him. It was Jerome Brady that pulled up. And I just couldn't believe it that uh, the Funkadelic drummer showed up at Glenn's house. And uh, we went to the studio. And uh, I, I, let me see. First, I think we messed around in Glenn's house and went over something. And then we went on to the studio. That's what it was. And then I, I talked to him briefly. I didn't know him. That's the first time I ever seen him. And I just thought, uh, I just couldn't believe I met him. And that just blew me away. I said, uh, a funkadelic drummer, you know, Jerome Brady. And I'm sitting for the first time. And that was at Glenn's house. And uh, I remember he said, uh, he asked me, he said, can you play? Because he knew I was from Ohio. But I didn't say nothing. I said, oh, it kind of made me nervous <laughs> when he said that. So I didn't know what to say. So I didn't just say nothing. I just looked at him, you know, left it at that. But uh, got in there and then I know. Actually, we did good together. Did good. I was a little nervous, but we did good. I didn't think I was going to be able to play with somebody like that, you know, with, uh, you know, on the drums. I mean, the way God plays, he plays off. Solid. I mean, it locks in so hard. But I actually did play with him. Did that recording with him. And uh, excellent drummer. Plays hard. I mean, he he, he drives hard. That's what I call big, 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 Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, he puts it in there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he puts it in there. That guy is good. I was a little nervous, <laughs> but they got through it. But it was it was interesting. Yeah. Plus, by me from Ohio, I didn't know anybody actually. I'm up there, you know. You talking about somebody from Ohio? You don't know nobody in New Jersey. So you, you know, you're sort of like you're by yourself, you know. No, because I never ca I never came up with anybody in that area. So I'm from another state, and. Uh, I married mean, people saying, well, who's this guy right here? Because nobody knew me, you know. And I just said, that's, that's Glenn's, one of Glenn's friends, you know. So, you know, that was kind of making me sort of like unease because I didn't know nobody. I'm in another state. I'm up in now. I'm from Ohio. I'm up in New Jersey. I don't know anybody, you know. Nowhere to go. I mean, you can't run. Nowhere. I mean, where are you going? I mean, you don't know nobody. So you out there by yourself. But, uh, yeah, but Glenn took me in, and then uh, that was a good thing um, because I didn't know him really at the time. But I, yeah, I guess he trusted he trusted me at the time, and you know, everything was cool. So after um, after that project, uh, you know, where did music take you? Um, I came back. I, I couldn't find nobody to really to get with. Uh, uh, Junie got a hold of me. He was trying to get me with the. Uh, I think he was trying to. They was trying to put a band together. They, I don't know whatever became of it. I stayed in touch with Junie. Junie was trying to get me with that band called Sweat Band. I think they was might have been looking for somebody, but uh, Junie had the connection on that. But that never came about. Well, they, they also uh, only they also ended up only doing one record. 
Yeah. But he had talked to me, was trying to get me in on that. So uh, he said, because he already had told me, he, we were staying in touch, that I'm going to help you get involved with something. But it was taking too long, so I ended up staying in Columbus and uh, started playing with local people that I ended up uh, getting a job. So, running out of money at the time and that they needed money, so I ended up playing with local bands in Columbus, Ohio, and then I ended up getting a, like a part-time job, so I just kept rolling that. And that's, that's what I ended up doing. I couldn't really get with somebody else that was uh, where I thought maybe I could fit in. I just, nothing just came about. So I didn't uh, didn't think about going to Dayton. Not like I didn't know anybody in Dayton, actually, at the time. So I never did go to Dayton, never did go to Cincinnati. So I just stayed here, stuck with, uh, where I felt safe at, you know. Uh, play with the local bands around here that cats that I knew and and, and, and just work the job and that's basically it and, and that's how I was pretty much uh, keeping it going do, so do everything any, I'm sorry do, do you have any theory though uh, why so much great funk has come from Ohio well the reason why it comes because everybody want to be like somebody in Ohio, you know, a lot. I noticed a lot of groups out of uh, out of Dayton. A lot of fun guys in Dayton. You know, you got you got a lot more jazz players here, Columbus blues players. But Dayton, a lot of guys, they gonna try to sound like somebody else or get that. You know, but those guys are real funky, so they want to get that type of sound or that technique. And so uh, they get that particular sound they sound like this person said they put that with the way they sound so they just keep it right there and everybody they just funk it everybody they, they believe in that and a lot of groups that played funk they, they made it out of date they got that unique type of sound all those groups is very unique yeah I've, I've said before but um, on the show I have but you know growing up in Los Angeles like I did and being a fan of all those groups you know I just never even thought about the fact they were all from you know the same part of the country but then later on it was like a trip you know just discovering that they're all from that general area yeah, a lot of them, they uh, came up in the same neighborhood, you know, there's a lot of cousins, brothers, and uh, they just work with each other, help each other out, you know, and uh, they just got that, it's got a, a unique type of sound, they got that sound, you know, I listen to a lot of them, they got it. What, what are uh, one or two tracks that you've been you know part of that are your favorite or you feel most proud about on what particular song uh which which group just any that you've recorded you know whether it was with uh quasar or juni or crowd pleasers what's one or two tracks that you just uh you know feel the best about you know in terms of what you did or just like the song the best or i like them all 
I like them all. I like everything that I recorded out of each uh, group that I played with you, with, with Glenn, Junie, and the crowd. I just like them all. Like everything. One song I wish I could have played on was the hit record on Quasar that was Funk and Roll. I was supposed to have been there for that, and Glenn played the bass. I didn't, uh, I couldn't make it. Couldn't make it that particular the day of the session. Yeah, I, I actually, I would have to be there when it, when, it, when it does come about, then you're already there, then you're ready. I had to come home. Something happened, I had to come home, so uh, when he did do it, I couldn't get back. Couldn't get back, so he and he called me, he said, well, I ended up doing it myself, I want, definitely wanted, wanted to play on that one. But I didn't get a chance, he played it then. Uh, actually, I believe that's how he got the deal doing that song. I, I, I was supposed to play that song because we had already been practicing. They had already showed me what to do, so I couldn't get back there. They had the money to get back, so I didn't even really make it back. Something happened, I couldn't get back. Uh, might have been something happened in my family. I couldn't make it back. But I was supposed to play that bass line. That would have been exciting to me because that was the the, the song that really that I'm actually I believe the album went gold. Yeah, it may it, it may have. Yeah, was uh, yeah. Uh, curious to me at that time was uh, that chant in that song. You know, funk it, ready to rock, funk it, ready to roll. Because Funkadelics, One Nation Under Groove, Charlie, that song has the same chant in it, and I always wondered, you know. Who came up with it first? You know, Quasar and Glenn, or did Funkadelic have it from when Glenn was with them? Or you it know, might have some... been Glenn. <laughs> I believe it was. It might have been. It may have been Glenn. I don't know. It may have. I can't really say how they came about. But those guys, Glenn was so good. I mean, they just they they just have so much had much so much good vibe. They can just take something and, and, and fit it in and, and know how to place it in. And Uncle Junie was the same way. Would do the same thing. It takes something and turn it around and this song came from this. And uh, Glenn was good at that too. It takes something from another song and if you don't know what it is, you don't know where it is unless he tell you or you can figure it out. That's how they vibe. They just take something that they don't made up previously and then use it somewhere else you know but uh i learned that technique from juni and then i know glenn was good at it too i got that from glenn so that phone get ready to roll i don't know where i mean i can't really say but i know he put that in the in the song well just speaking of that too is you know it was really fascinating to hear some of the bootsy tracks from before he got with george um in the bands he was part of uh, with his brother and some of the parts from some of those ended up being parts of parliament songs you know later on so yeah they took elements like you're talking about and then did different things with them yeah just like dissecting uh, from another song you can do that because uh i was taught that um and a lot of stuff that i i had learned from them i could still remember a lot of the ideals 
and the techniques that they showed me from back then, I still I still use them. Some of the day I incorporate with some of my ideas and uh, knowing how to change, you know, certain things around. But I had learned that from them, you know, especially when you're writing songs. And you can just keep going on and on, on and on. You, you never run out, but you, you would have to think how to take something, to dissect it, to apply it to what you're trying to do. But you got to put time in just doing that, just sitting up all day and long, and you, you, you're going to come up with something. You just got to have that time to do it. But uh, I had learned that from them. And then the more time you put into it, <laughs> you're going to get good at it. It, 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 it's just it comes so natural it's just it's just a vibe that's, that's all it is and i got that from from both of them guys man i got that from both of them but everything happens so quick so you know you know from that time from 75 all the way up to 79 i had to learn in between that they they grasp it so fast because once you do that once you got it and then it, you move on to another segment you know what i mean so you got you got to get it right there and there, and then try not to forget it, and then and try to remember everything. I mean, it was it was a lot that I was going through between both of them. You know, trying to remember everything. You know, you got to stay focused. You know, that that's one thing Junie used to stay only about. You know, stay focused on. It. You put a lot of time into it, day in and day out. How. How would you describe funk itself, you know, and, and what does it mean to you personally? Funk is something you have to feel, and it's got to, to me, it's got to be a feeling, it's got to be natural. It, it, it's got to be in you to, to, to have that feeling. And um, it's the feeling, it's got to be in you. And to me, it's like a vibe. You got to be vibing. Uh, when I use the word vibe, and uh, what I got from them, that vibe come from, and I got this from, from both of them. And actually, I got it from uh, a little bit. I, I learned from Craig Moore and the guitar player from, from the crowd. Please. You got to listen to somebody, listen to what they're doing. You listen to what they're playing, and then you vibe off of what they're doing. And then, it's, and then you, it, 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 the creation comes off of that. You listen to what they plan. Or if you're not listening, then you come up with it, then they vibing off what you're doing. And then it all comes together. But you gotta know how to put it together off of each other. So we vibe off of each other, you know. Yeah, maybe it's a kind of hard to describe, but it, it, it's it's this it's a it's a feeling that you get inside that in your mind that you're gonna create off of what somebody is doing. It's like painting a picture, you know, what what, what can you come up with and that's the whole idea of it to to have funk and that's what funk is is, is a vibe it's, it's a strong vibe and um I, I i've been around some guys that play a lot of funk i i even met up um around 2004 i, I met up with uh finally met up with george clinton that guy got a strong vibe. I just couldn't believe it, man. I got vibes. Him and Gary. The rhythms. I just couldn't believe it. I sit right in with him. <laughs> you, 
Yeah, I like to ask that because it is so hard to describe, you know, so it's interesting to hear how people will describe it. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you know it, you know it, you know, and that's the thing about it. Well, knowing it and being in you, uh, you, 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 it's got to be in you. It's, it's a feeling. It's like a, like the spirit, that the spirit got to be in you. You've got to be able to feel it if you can come up with it. That, that feeling ain't there. You're not going to get it. And I got that. Um, the lady that used to sing with the crowd, pieces, she had a strong vibe. She taught me that at a young age. When she get ready to come up to the mic, if the, the groove got to be set a certain way. If it ain't set up, she's not going to sing. She's going to sit back and wait till she feel it. Till she feel it to the vibe of that groove is there. When it, was, was, when it get to that certain, uh, uh, when it gets to that level, once she feel it, then she ready to come up to the plate. She ready to start singing. She got, she's got a strong vibe. She vibes off the music. If that groove ain't there, because they, the crowd pleasers was the type of band they played off of, off a vibe of a groove. If it ain't there, and it ain't happening, you can't, you can't feel it. Uh, Gary was like that. I, I, I realized Gary had that type of feel too. Gary was like that, and I sit and watched him. I studied him. He's not going to come up to the microphone. He's not going to do nothing or play nothing unless it's set a certain way that he feel it. And then he's going to come off what he does. I sit there and watch him do that. And then if it ain't right, he'll back up off of it until it's set up. Then he'll come right up to it. I sit there and watch it. I studied him a lot at the, the times when I was around him. Watched him. Glenn had that same vibe just like that. Glenn was like that. But Glenn had it. To the point to where he just, he just come out with it. He just vibes so strong. I mean, I mean, he just knew exactly where to place his vocals, his playing ability. He just knew where to put it at. All those guys were good with that. Judy was the same way. It's, it's just like uh, it's just it's, it, that spirit has got to be in you. It, it's got to be in you, and then. Once you got that, then you got to be around people who's doing it. They everybody, everybody vibing together, <laughs> and that's what it is. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling, man. I, I, I you know, I describe it no other way. But you got to have that feel like James Brown. I got that feeling. James Brown's like that when I when I watched him. He had that. You know, Boosie got it. All of them got it. it, it it's, a, it's a natural feeling. It's natural. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the best feeling. I, there's no other feeling like it as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. Everybody off each other's vibe and off each other, man. And once, once you got that vibe, <laughs> that's where the creation, the creativity comes at. That's where it comes at. That's where it comes at. It starts with that. All right. Well, speaking of creativity, um, tell us a little bit about the new music that you're working on and what we can expect in the near future, hopefully. Okay. Um, my creativity is what I put together, what I thought, what came to my mind uh, by me listening and what I learned from from my past. And as I've gotten older, what I'm feeling 
uh, I played down in Dayton and ran to a guy named uh, Keith Harrison. Didn't know who he was, had no idea. After I did the show last year, he approached me about some songs. By that time, in my mind, I was ready to take some songs that I had to redo them. I want to uh, upgrade them, do them a little bit better. And I was looking for somebody uh, to help me out with that. Uh, I'm going to hear what they had to see if I could vibe off of them. This guy approached me uh, after I finished playing because they had never seen me before. When I was down in Dayton, I never seen him. They had no idea who he was. When he approached me, I thought he was just if somebody just, uh, you know, I had no idea. When I looked him up, it was a friend of mine down in Dayton. I said, hey, man, give me that guy's number, man. I want to talk to him. Got his number, called him up, and met him and Stephen Shockley. Um, Went down to his house. And it, was, it took me a year to finish this project. And I began to work with him and on, on some songs that I had I wanted to redo. I want to hear what he, you know, would do with them. And he actually, you know, laid it down for me. And I, I, was, in, I was impressed. But the way he, where he came about, he reminded me of so much of Junie. Uh, I was amazed. And I like the way he plays. I mean, the guy's an excellent vocalist. He can sing real good. Great piano player. And he played drums. I was just amazed. And uh, how me and him fit together. And it just, Keith Harrison, he just reminded me so much of, uh, you can tell he's from Ohio. I mean, he's from Dayton because he's got that vibe. He, he, he definitely got it. I mean, this guy got a vibe. So actually, we really came together. So I like him a lot. And um, I said, what about that other guy that was standing out with you, uh, named Steven? He said, man, he lived around the corner from me. I said, you got to be kidding. He called up Steve Shockley. You know, he went lakeside. Called him up, man. That guy came in, man. Had his other song. It was a slow song called Thirsting for Your Love. He, and I thought about it. I said, put a guitar solo in the beginning of it. And... I, this was a song I did a long time ago, and another guy had uh, played solo on it. When he put it in, man, he just, with the chords he played, just felt, he, felt, he felt it. He felt right in with it. It was just like it was meant to be. I mean, he had that vibe, too, with what I was doing, because we never met each other like that, and we never played together, but he actually fit right in. And I liked him a lot. I mean, he, I mean, he, he fit right in. So, um, uh, about a week or two weeks after that, all people, I haven't seen him or heard from him since 1978, that was Daryl Dixon. Daryl hit me up. I said, of all people, I wouldn't expect, because I haven't seen him. It's been over 47 years or, since we was kids. He's a little older than me. But I wouldn't expect to hear from him. And when he got a hold of me, Daryl called me. I said, man, I got some songs. And we talked for a minute, for a good while. And uh, I said, I got these songs, man. Would you be interested in uh, playing some horn parts? And he got to explain it to me that he's got the chop horn. I said, he said, well, send the tracks to me. I sent it down to him. I was amazed how he 
came up with these horn parts. And I wouldn't expect for me to get that type of sound against my type of feel. And he's playing these horn parts of, the, of these songs I got. I just couldn't believe it, man, the way it came off. And somebody, you know, he did all the horn parts in Quasar, man. And I haven't talked to him since we was kids. But from after all them years, he contacts me from out of nowhere. I don't know how he got my information. But we talked. I let him do the horn tracks. And I was just amazed how everything came together. So I said, hey, man, just play on everything I got. You just come up with some parts on every song. Because I, I like the way they was playing. And I just used him. I had I got like eight songs, and um, I call my project is old school. It's, it's like that old school funk. So I got some horns in it. It's old school funk, and uh, the way they put them horns to it, I, I'm just amazed how it came together. So it will be coming out. It's called old school. I got eight songs that I redid. I played guitar. Uh, on uh I got eight songs I did uh I play guitar to rhythm on maybe about six songs. I let um Steve Shockley play on one, another friend of mine played guitar named Keith Alexander. Let him play the guitar on another song. And that was it. So Daryl did all the horns, the horns ranges, did everything. Keith did all the uh uh did keyboards. And he played the drum parts, and that was it. I, I did, and then I did all the vocals and did all my bass parts, and that's it. So it came up with that, and I like what I have. When, when do you think it might uh, get out there? Um, I'm put, still putting it together now. This should be out maybe like a couple more weeks or something. So early oh, twenty twenty, early in the year. Are you just going to do a download, or are you going to put out a physical CD, or what? I'm gonna do it all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it all. I'm gonna do CD. I'm gonna try to get albums. Uh, you can do the download. Uh, I'm gonna put it out there. I can't wait to hear it. I mean, Daryl has been on the show, and uh, so has Keith uh, Harrison. Keith Harrison, I think, besides Faso, also worked with Heatwave and Daz Band. So, I mean, he's very impressive. Very impressive. Um, right now, he's working with the Daz Band. Cause I, I, I talk to him periodically. Periodically. And then uh, we're, we're talking. I mean, I like that guy a lot, man. That, the guy is good, man. I was amazed that I had met him because I was looking, uh, you know, and saying to myself, I wonder if I run into somebody like Jimmy. You know, but this guy's close. I mean, he's got that same vibe. He's got that. I mean, he, me and him worked perfect together. And I was amazed that we it, it, it took us a year, and I kept driving back and forth dating uh, for like a year to finish this. You know, working a regular job, going to dating, I mean, that was a lot. I mean, I stay up late, but uh, changing things around, let's try this, and then, then uh, it came together. I was I was impressed, man. I got something. Well, congratulations! Man, congratulations to, on you know persevering and getting it done. Yeah, I'm looking. At, I mean, it took a year, but I'm looking uh, looking to do, you know work with him some more if it's possible because I know he's uh, he stayed pretty busy. But I, I called him at the right time. 
got him at the right time, and everything just fell right in like it's supposed to. So I just never know who you may end up with. <laughs> but uh, he came to me, and after I finished the show, and that's how I met him. I had no idea who he was. And uh, he just stayed not too far from Columbus. After all them years, I said, I wish I could have met him years ago. But when we met, it's just like now, it's like we've been knowing each other for years. I can call him right now and, and just, 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 be, just be talking. How, how can uh, people... How how can people keep up with you or find out you know when it's available and that kind of thing? Well, I would have to put it out there. I'm gonna advertise it myself, uh, put it out on the media, and uh, let people know what's happening. I'm gonna do that. But can, uh, can people find you on Facebook or if they want to reach out to you? Or oh, oh yeah, they can find me on Facebook. I got a store here in Columbus. There's a guy called Spoonful Records. I'm good friends with him, and then uh, I got access to that at the store. So I I got some locations. I mean, I'm I, I'm definitely gonna put it out there where and I find the spots where I can uh, promote it at. Well, before I um, let you go, Don, um, I'm gonna just ask you: uh, Do you have a favorite album of all time by by someone else? I always liked the Boosie's album, you know, Stretching Out. I liked that one a lot. I, I thought that was uh, amazing how, how he came up with that concept. I liked it that. And then I always, it went, from that point, that really got me. Then I wanted to be a bass player to be out front. That uh, At that time when he was doing it, I couldn't even, didn't even know how to talk or play at the same time. But then, uh, I learned how to do that later on down the years. But that was, I would say that's my favorite one because I saw him do it. I was amazed. Well, I remember when yeah. I first, when I first heard that track stretching out on the radio back then, um, it was just unbelievable. Never heard anything sounding like that. Yeah. Never hear nothing like that again. I mean, that was, that's, that's like one of a kind. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it, man. That guy came up with that concept like that. I mean, that was that, that's one of a kind. One of a kind. Authentic. I mean, to come up with that ideal. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm glad he's still with <laughs> us, still doing it, you know? Yeah, he's still doing it. When he came out with that, that was just... It just blew a lot of people away. Just blew people away. I mean, to come up with that concept. From that point, then that's when I really, I said, I got to get it together, you know. But you got to learn how to be able to sing and play at the same time. You got to incorporate both of them. And, and if you can do that, back then in the 70s, I mean, that would carry you a long way. So you can get a job playing with anybody. You have to know how to do both. And at that time, I could play, but I couldn't sing. But I kept working with it. I'm not a good singer, but I learned how to work both of them together at the same time. I, I couldn't do that. You know, because Larry Graham did it. Um, 
Um, a lot of little bass players could do that, but uh, you know, you had to incorporate both of them, singing and playing at the same time. But then to be out front like that, like Boosie did it, and came up with that concept, and you know, that's that's what you call a concept. I mean, he did it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing it still. Um, looking forward to the new music. And uh, thank you so much for for talking with me and taking the time. And we had some technical challenges uh, early on that viewers don't have to, you know, <laughs> worry about. But uh, that's why we're not seeing you on here. We're just hearing you. But uh, I'll put plenty of pictures up there and they'll have stuff to look at um, when they watch this. But um, thank you so much. It's been great getting to know you. Okay. Thank you. And then when I get it all together, I'll send you a copy of my project. I'm counting on it. I'll stay in touch with you. Yeah, I look forward to it. Okay. Thanks, Don. Take care. Have a good weekend. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Wolfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.